Fit for Life Radio, episode numero 168. You didn't know that in Spanish? Uno cies ocho. Siete ocho. Nah, I won't tell Diego you butchered <laughs> that real bad. It's okay. Today we're talking about problem foods. What are problem foods? Most what do you consider problem foods? Well... We'll tell you. We'll tell you what you're going to consider problem foods. We already know. <laughs> and But ultimately, it's going to be unique to the individual. Yes. But what we're going off of is a study done at the Penn State University. And essentially, it was looking, facing the deal with problem foods, quote-unquote problem foods, and how difficult they are to resist eating, and then how... In its effect on weight loss, right? So the study at Penn State University asked 186 women who they classified with overweight or obesity to rank the foods you can't resist and find hard to stop eating. So that's, that's what we're calling problem foods mm-hmm. What were in the sense of the study. What were them foods? Let's talk. Hey, number one is probably the food that most people would say is number one is ice cream. That's mm-hmm. top dog. Chips after that. Chocolate mm. after that. All manner of chocolate. Mm-hmm. Cookies. Mm-hmm. And pizza. Pizza. Now, one thing I want to note about all those foods. That's what I was getting ready to note. A lot of ahead. people will say, <laughs> call those carbs. Yes. But the reality is they do have something all in common, which is that they are a combination of carbs and fats and low protein. So they are essentially hyper palatable, easy, delicious, over to eat foods that are just calorie bombs. Yes. Right. Ice cream, sugar and fat. Not just carbs. They're the delicious combination of of everything. Chips. Carbs, fat, salt. Carbs from potato, fats from the oil that they're cooked in, which is actually there's more fat calories than carb calories Mm -hmm. in chips. That's just funny about how we don't call those foods fats. Chocolate, sugar, and cacao, which is fat. uh, Cocoa butter, cacao. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cacao. Again, no one eats. Here's the thing. If you break a lot of these down, this is actually fun, little side thing, but if you break them down into their more unprocessed versions, no one has trouble eating those things separate, right? So ice cream. Milk and sugar. No one's just eating. No one really has a problem with sugar by itself, like just eating piles of Dominion sugar. And, and no one's drinking over a gallon of milk a day. You know yeah. what I mean? No yeah, one's just no housing one's like, milk like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, chips, potato. I, I've never met anyone that's just like, I'm just eating too many potatoes. Bro, like eight baked potatoes a day. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's um, doing that because they're filling. And then oil. Yeah, who's drinking oil? Vegetable oil. <laughs> Just grease you up on the inside, man. Like a slip and slide. But then combine them with some spices and salt, and it's a different story, right? Yep. Chocolate. Bro. Cocoa butter by itself. Or just eating raw cacao. Nah. Yep. There's no way. And then the other main thing, sugar, right? Again, same thing. Uh, Cookies. Sugar. Flour. Flour. Fat. Butter. Butter. Just housing sticks of butter. Sticks of butter by itself. No one. Sugar by itself. No one. Flour by itself. Absolutely no one. (laughs) Absolutely no no one. one. So, uh, and then pizza, right? Now, pizza, I will get a little. uh, (laughs) Lily. It's it's carbs. It's it's the cheese for you. Carbs from the flour. Mm -hmm. 
fat from the cheese. Cheese is also higher in protein. So of these, pizza has a little more protein. Yeah. Um, and so cheese by itself isn't just a fat food. It's a protein yeah. and fat food. So that's why, hey, actually, hey, I can eat cheese. Again, It's it, cheese isn't a singular thing, right? Um, but again, there we go. So that's interesting. Take They're all combos. Yep. So then from there, the scientists had the participants follow a 12-month weight loss program and monitored their strategies for managing these problem foods. The result, overall, the total avoidance of problematic foods, which you often see on extreme diets or quick fix weight loss plans, was not an effective strategy. So completely just taking a food out of the equation. Did, yeah, it, it didn't work. It did not lead to weight loss. It was not successful. Completely restricting, no bueno. So what did help? Limiting the portion sizes of problem foods. Instead of giving them up altogether, limiting, being aware, specific portions led and was an effective strategy for just weight loss. Just have a little bit. Mm -hmm. Just a touch. And in fact, participants who use this study or use this strategy the most lost on average nearly double the weight as those who were, who used it the least. Fifteen eight pounds versus eight pounds. Right. I mean, yeah. So the people who use portion size and still got to have their their little treat the, of the, whatever these uh, you know problem foods lost double the weight. Um, so as we can tell, like they're to actually not problem foods. They're part of the solution for a lot mm -hmm. of people. But yeah. it's all in, in managing how much you're having of them. I've, I even think it's powerful to enter into a you know weight loss or diet with the mindset of, hey, this doesn't mean I can never eat my problem foods. Mm -hmm. um, you Essentially, what it does mean, though, is you, you, you want to put some boundaries around them. And, and even... Um, you know, doing so, again, w we always come back to this. It, it's just bringing awareness to it, right? Um, it's being intentional, bringing awareness about how, how and when you're going to eat them. And the thing is, it doesn't just have to be like, there's now, we'll unpack from there. There's a ton of different ways to do this, right? Uh, so There are a lot. So we know ideally we do not want to completely restrict or eliminate some of our favorite foods, quote unquote, problem foods that does not lead to more success, it actually leads to less, right? So we need to bring awareness, mindfulness, portion. Now, some people, and we've seen this with our challenges with our clients, you can have one strategy that works for one person and not for the other. Some people do really well with like daily discretionary ca calories. So you say, hey, I'm gonna have 200 calories of whatever I want. So again, it could be ice cream, chips, chocolate, cookies, pizza, have a little bit every day and then you're just satisfied and you're good yeah they're good they're the little kid kicking their feet on a, a bench you yep. know so in perfect example i know coach diego is able to do that now me personally uh i don't that doesn't work for me it's very hard for me to then portion it right and then and then each day and not get carried away and, day after day <laughs> yeah but i still have what would, you know, my favorite or what would be considered my problem foods at points, right? Now, I prefer more like keep them out of the house 
when I want them, I'll go get them. Mm-hmm. And then basically I buy the amount that I'm, hey, I'm going to eat this amount, but then that's that, and right? Then you're and you're done, if and that's it. Exactly. Because then say it's, um, say it's ice cream, right? You know, if it's, a, it's not in the house, it's, say it's a Thursday, I finish dinner, and it's now 7 p.m., I go to bed at 9, 9.30. Do I really want to drive 5, 10 minutes to the grocery store to get ice cream and then come back? You know, and It's a good thing you're lazy. Yeah, you normally – no. So, But then say it's a Saturday, we're, it's a movie night, I, then I'll go, okay, during the day, let me go grab a treat I want to have, buy a pint. That and then I have that. I'm going to intentionally have that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that ends up being all I have for the week, right? And I'm still having it, you know. So again, that's another example of just a different version of being intentional and aware with these types of foods, right? Yeah. Those are like the two, the two main ones. I mean, there's de- there's definitely probably a few more strategies. Mm-hmm. Like um, for some people, it's like going out to eat. Right. Yeah. You don't go out to eat every day of the week, but, you know, maybe with your spouse or your family, your friends on a Saturday, you budget for, hey, we're going to get pizza mm-hmm. on Saturday night. But you don't have pizza every single day of the week, you know, because, you know, you're not going to eat one slice. Yeah. You want to go and you want to have three, four slices or like your own little personal pizza on a Saturday. And that's cool. Yeah. So that's another way of, of partitioning that. Mm-hmm and not overdoing it. Yeah. And the interesting thing with the study is different strategies for avoiding the problem foods, um, regardless of what, you know, how people completely avoided them, the completely avoiding, again, did not relate to weight loss, right? So, whereas, again, Limiting portions of the problem foods in some way. So again, bringing awareness and being intentional with limiting the foods led to a greater weight loss, right? So you have to understand you do not have to. It is more than likely not beneficial to enter into a diet thinking, I cannot have this food. You know, like that's the probably the worst approach you can take and i I even know people who do that they they literally and and again this goes i think too for shorter term stuff because there is no short term thing no like you're gonna have what gets you there keeps you there so even if you think i'm gonna go cut this out for you know 90 days or for a month um it's probably gonna backfire and you so you should start with how can i manage these foods yeah i mean i think they found that the people that did just like straight avoid foods may have initially lost a Mm -hmm. little bit more but in the long run gained it back because of generally that like restriction and then you kind of binge on the food and that usually you know gets people a little Mm -hmm. off the rails um versus that little like titration of like oh you have a little bit here and there um, versus that, you know, wave of yeah. we'll call problem foods, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Um, so yeah, I mean, the proof's kind of in the pudding in that. And we've seen it after years of doing this kind of stuff too. Like people who overly avoid things generally, you know, there's a rebound effect. Yeah. It's interesting too. I wish we could see the list of like, so they talk about how they came up with the Problem foods, so essentially at zero months, six months, and 12 months of the trial, participants listed the foods they found most problematic. 
And yeah, again, majority of them were, well, the top five were what we listed. Um, and But even that alone, right, that you have to report the yeah. foods that you struggle with, you know, is, is I think a cool takeaway. So, and, and this is how our coaching process goes. Like we really don't, when people start, we don't want to give you some strict meal plan or because it's just, you're just trying to out willpower things, right? The real reality is it's a, it's a learning process. So it's really like, you don't change anything. Let's start being more mindful of portions calories, you know, depending on how someone's, uh, wants to approach it, but you're, you're essentially just being intentional and mindful with portions. And then let's see what foods make it easier or harder for you to portion, right? So it's really go live your life. Don't really change anything. Um, and then let's, let's kind of navigate. And let's see what we can kind of fit into mm-hmm. that versus trying to change your yeah. whole life around this yeah. eating schedule or these strict foods. Now, the hard part is we have to be hypercritical right and yeah guess what there's gonna be a food that you may love that that you're like emotionally attached to and it's a problem you know and you have to then point it out and then know you literally are going to have to practice having less of it and all those things are hard to do it is right but that's what you need to do not just start some hardcore meal plan that takes away everything and try to white knuckle gut through it. Yeah. Cause at a certain point, what's going to happen, you have a really stressful day or a terrible night of sleep. Everything's out the window. Yeah. Right. There's no guardrails set up. There's no boundaries. It's like, I can't have this food and it's behind this gate and that, you know, stress and lack of sleep just throws the gate open and people go crazy mm-hmm. and eat whatever they want and whatever they've been deprived of. So you're setting up, you know, a little bit of a fence to keep that in, in check. Yeah. So, I would start with if you're like, okay, you know, when we mentioned problem food. So in a problem food, doesn't mean the food's a bad food. Yeah. So that goes into the good and bad discussion. Like yeah. not really any bad foods. It's a, it's a problem because we can't control our intake. Exactly. <laughs> or we have trouble maybe controlling yeah. our intake. And then in general, you'll happen to notice most problem foods are not, you know, apples and no, other, they're not and individual ingredients for the most part they're typically more highly processed foods that yeah. are engineered to taste amazing yeah hyper palatable right so i mean they're, they're engineered to be hard to put down mm-hmm. so you're fighting against that which is why you have to create the boundaries yep and a lot of people may find the first biggest obstacle is we have to prepare foods that aren't these things. Mm-hmm. And that's hard enough, right? Because the thing is, I mean, look at these ice cream, chips, chocolate, cookies, pizza. Packaged and ready, baby. That's what I was going to say. What's the one another thing? So we talked about one commonality they have being, you know, combination of fats and carbs, and they're typically low in protein. So therefore, those things lead to hyper palatable. Another thing, like Will just mentioned, they're ready. They're, they're ready to they're eat. They're easy. Daddy. There's no time aside from like, your pizza's getting delivered, yeah. you know, or like uh, taking it out of your freezer. Like, that's it. Yeah. Cookies, chocolate, chips, ice cream. You just got to open that package. And dig in. Go to town. Dig in. Pizza, same thing. Open the box. Open the box. Pop slice. it. And they're, so now the foods that are hardest to stop eating are the easiest to start eating. Oof. 
Damn. All right. Oof. Hey, hey there. I feel like that's got to be a little on a little quote. That was good, board. man. The foods that are hardest to stop eating are the easiest to start eating. Mm, it is. It's hard, man. It it's is hard. And then think about it. The foods that are <laughs> easiest to stop eating, which also means they're not as fun to eat. Yep. Like, let's be real. What's a uh, boiled plain potato or a baked covered in cheese and sour cream potato? Which one's more fun to eat? <laughs> you know, which one's easier so Man, and easy. easier to eat more of? So, again, but then also, so we'll take that humble potato and, okay, potato chip form. Boom, crack open the bag, and it's easy to crush back. Just eat a whole bag of chips. Well, now you, we're trying to tell you uh, more often than, than not, Instead of those potato chips, just have the potato, which, well, now we have to buy the potato. We have to clean the potato. We have to cook maybe, the potato. Yeah, maybe cook the potato for 40 minutes or in the microwave for, you know, eight minutes, which is still eight times, you know. It's way longer than Ooh. opening a bag and digging your hand into it. Yeah. And so then, we're up against that. Then by the time, time we actually get it to edible form, it's not, you know. It's not a bag of chips. The chip. most delicious thing in yeah. the world. So here we are. Yeah. <laughs> and in thinking about that, like one good strategy, and I know we've talked about it on here, is making like the foods that you want to comprise most of your diet, like make those easy. Mm-hmm. As easy as you can. Like you posted your um, like steamer veggies that you had. Yeah. Easy way to do it. Pop those babies in the microwave yeah. for a few minutes. You're good. Now, of course, like it's easier to open a bag of chips than do that. But that's also way easier than getting out of pan, mm-hmm. heating up some oil, Putting your broccoli in there, sauteing your broccoli for 10 minutes. Yep. Um, or like bulk prepping your shredded chicken. Then you keep it in the the f- refrigerator. You can just pull out whatever you need and it's ready, right? So making those easier is yeah. a good idea. So a little side tangent. Sorry. Yeah. And then once you establish that, now we're kind of at the crux of they're not going to taste as good. And that's where this is the challenge. You have to start attaching other benefits to food than just taste and, entertainment. and enjoyment and entertainment. So you have to, you, and this is where you have to trust the process a little and give it time. And then, oh, oh, wait a second, over time, I've been eating the potato more than the potato chips and I'm losing weight and I sleep better and I have more energy and I wake up more refreshed. So then all of a sudden you start feeling these things, real tangible things, and then make sure you, you know, in your brain, connect these to, hey, these foods I'm eating and foods I'm not eating. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, those foods, those meals, the compromise of those foods start to become way more enjoyable. And you end up getting the same dopamine response and hit and enjoyment from those foods because you've attached all these benefits that you were getting from the more highly pal- palatable, more instant gratification type things. Mm-hmm. This takes time. But th- this is real. This is true. This is how it works. Like, you know. And that's part of like when people, you can ask people that have like really changed their eating habits a lot. Like your taste changes. Mm-hmm. You get yeah. more enjoyment out of s- simpler tasting yeah. things. And it takes a lot of time. Yeah. I you mean, know, we joked it, about this before. I, I can, you know, you know, people go and like taste wine or you can have some fancy food tasting thing. You could line up f- six different types of potatoes. Heck, you could line up six different types of white rice. You know, jasmine rice, basmati rice, um, and and I there would be 
I would could find I enjoyment. I can do that with yeah, rice. Yeah, I could find enjoyment going through the tasting notes of these different mm-hmm. quote. You know what most people consider like plain, not tasty foods, right? So, yeah, I, I even saw where I don't know what I was watching, but they have it was this was in California, like a place that's like like that with water. Just tasting all the different water. Yeah, they but you know, like different types of water yeah. taste different. They would have different spring waters, different tap waters from different cities and stuff. It was wild. Just a water museum. But yeah, so there you go. There's the process. There's the thing. There's some some details. Hopefully, oh, you know. And when we share stuff like this, don't try to overwhelm yourself and take it all in per se. No. Find one thing that you can latch onto and then actually apply. You know, just listening, taking notes, putting notes in your phone putting a plan together like none of that is 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 anything it's up to a point like it's at some point apply some of these things you just gotta do stuff yeah and sometimes make mistakes yeah like but if you never actually take any action then you don't have any chance of succeeding or making any progress because you haven't even moved yep so you have to actually take action on all of the things you take notes on and you plan for and so don't get stuck in the planning phase for things. Yep. And again, problem foods, biggest takeaway from this episode. Like we said, the study from Penn State. I know it's hard. I know it's against your natural intuition, but completely restricting problem foods does not, is not the way nah. to weight loss. Nah. In fact... From the study, people lost double the weight who included these foods and just applied boundaries. And some mindfulness around them. And mindfulness to the portions of these foods. So they had these foods, they portioned them instead of restricting them, and they lost more weight. Weird. Yeah. Not really. And the reality is they ended up probably avoiding the binges, right? Or falling off and things like that. So they ended up consuming less calories overall, and it was easier by including these foods than it was by restricting them. Yeah, and that's the, that's the long game. Difference between long game and short game. Yep. Short game, you might avoid foods and, and lose a lot yeah. up front. But and people also, too, for whatever reason, we feel like if we suffer more, it mu- it's going to be more effective. So yeah. almost in a, in a weird way, I think people are like, I have to feel like I'm suffering. Um, you don't. To, to make this happen, right? Mm. All right, well, there you go. And if you're more interested... Um, the PMID for this study, which is like the PubMed ID. Yeah, you can just type it in. It'll bring it right up. Mm-hmm. It's 322-34-531. guess anybody wants to dig a little deeper, yep. see the methods, the data. They have a lot of charts, tables. So there you go. Yeah. All right. We appreciate you for listening. Yeah. We'll uh, if, catch you next time. Yep. As always, thanks for listening, guys. If you want to learn more, check us out at CoastalFitnessVA.com or GaryDeagle.com. We'll see you next time.